It's Thursday, October 11th, 2018, and you're listening to Last Time on Video Games, the show about retro video games and sometimes some other stuff. You're listening to episode 239, Shocking. Runtime for this episode is 1 hour 6 minutes. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast that always finishes what it starts. My name is Jeremy. I'm your resident local cyberspace hacker shooter, Tyler. I am a very good cyberspace troll. My name is Zach. And I'm not very good at timing. My name is Kevin. Hey, Kevin's back. I remembered to make a note of it this time. Good good job. Was that the whole thing? Yes, that's all I was going to say. Welcome back, Kevin. You, we, you can come to a space station with us. We'll have a party. We'll get, like, a cool neuro-hacking rig. I don't want to go to that space station. We're going to play Shadowrun? Yeah, I was actually going to say we're just going to play Shadowrun. I'd be down for that. Yeah, me too, actually. I Tyler, your DM. Okay. I actually have a Shadowrun game. Tyler, I'm playing Lex Luthor. I kind of want to play what? a Shadowrun game. It sounds like a lot of fun. I, I, I've i never actually... I've played the uh, Harebrained Schemes Shadowrun games, but haven't actually played the pen and paper version. I have a couple of different editions of Shadowrun, actually. So, speaking of Shadowrun, a game I've been playing recently that is not a video game, but is in fact a card slash board game. It's called Cyber Runner. I don't know. It's Netrunner. Maybe Netrunner. It's definitely it's a Shadowrun branded deck builder. Yeah, it's Netrunner. Okay. Yeah. Yep. But you gain experience as you go through, so you can buy perks. But you start with like the same deck every time. But the perks affect what your starting deck is, so as you go through harder and harder campaigns, you get better and better starting decks. Sounds like the Pathfinder card game, which is just a Pathfinder campaign. That's a deck-building game. So if you get a plus-one sword, you put plus-one sword in your deck. Gotcha. Well, that that game is also on the exact same shelf that Netrunner is on. (laughs) Kingmaker Uh, just came out on uh, Steam. Kingmaker? Mm Mm-hmm. The Pathfinder PC game. Yeah, it's uh, apparently has mixed reviews on Steam. I have I heard nothing about it, but Steam really wants me to look at it. I'm like, yeah, and that intro is in the cover art. I didn't know it was Pathfinder. I've run Kingmaker: The Adventure Path from. <laughs> That's actually why it was on my wish list, just in case it goes on sale. Because I'm actually kind of interested to see how they did it. It was a cool adventure path. All right. So speaking of adventures, Zach, what video game adventures have you had? I've been having some adventures in MechWarrior Online. I built a K5 catapult, which was kind of fun. I needed a little bit of help in order to do that. You actually can't get it exact because there's no C3 slave in MWO, so I replaced it with a ton of ammunition mm. for the MRM30s that it carries. So that that's pretty fun. I made an inside joke because it's me. I picked up a blackjack, painted it uh, white, black, and red, and gave it an LBX10. Nice. So I don't get the LBX10 part. It's an inside joke. The reason why I gave it an LBX10 is because the joke is that the thing it's based off of carries a shotgun, and an LBX10 is a okay. shotgun. I couldn't actually load an LBX-20, which was my initial plan, because that game doesn't let you overflow critical spaces like Uh, you can in the tabletop game. Yeah. Like, I got the first part of the joke. I just didn't understand that the LBX-10 was a shotgun. You've told me enough about following the press Yeah, I know. That was why I I built the joke, is because it's like, I can do that. I'm going to do that. Why? Because I can. I don't think it's going to be good, and obviously no one I play with is going to get it. I was say, if you ever end up on that one guy's stream again... Maybe I was, I'm on out. there all the time. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Because there's not that many people watching it, and you just be a friend with him and shoot him a message whenever that is coming up. So, like, I was on it last week, and I actually won the Grand Melee, which is kill, everybody kill your teammates and then finish off the other team. When you're done, last man standing wins. I pissed somebody off because I sat in a corner and waited for my teammates to all kill each other. Then came and killed the one guy I actually had to kill, then won the fight by making the other guy overheat himself to death. Nice. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it was like, he's cheating, and I'm like, I'm not cheating. I didn't, because there's nothing in the rules that say I have to be fighting you all the time. All it says is I don't attack them until after everybody else on my team is dead. That's the fighting game strategy. I'm going to let the three of you beat each other up while I sit here in the corner gathering items. It sounds like the Hunger Games strategy to me. That's the Zack strategy. Remember, as Jeremy said in the past, I'm an opportunist. 
I'm going to wait for you to kill yourself, then I'm going to get involved. That's why you kill Zach first, even though he bitches about how he wasn't going to win, and he sucks at this, and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm not a threat, I'm just waiting over here. So, that is secretly, not so secretly, how I won my one and only Smash tournament, is I was going to be knocked out in the prelims, which were four-person free-for-all, mm-hmm. and I just was like, okay, other person I tangentially know from high school, we will team up and totally work together with these guys. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, my long range attacks are all missing. I don't know. And then I, I just killed them afterwards. Yeah. I felt bad about it. But then I took first place in all the one-on-one matches, so. Thanks. How do you feel bad about that? What, what, what is this? I, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with this idea. Well, you're going to be great at Diplomacy, the board game, if we ever play it. <laughs> no, no, he's not, because we know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. He I, knows that we know, but that's not that much of an advantage. I really want to get that game on a table at some point. I mean, I have a copy right over there. I know. It's just like it takes so There's long and you need seven people to play it optimally. We don't even have to go up the staircase. Just around <laughs> and it. we don't hang out enough in person to actually play it anymore. So it's kind of frustrating. I would like to try it. I mean, since everybody knows I'm an opportunist and I do that kind of thing, I probably wouldn't do very well, but it would be worth trying. I'd like to get a more regular board game thing going than going to your house once every six months. Yeah, or well, it used to be once a month, and then that just kind of fell apart. Yeah. Somehow, I'm not surprised. To be fair, it fell apart well before my life got way too busy. Because I've been picking up a bunch of different board games, like uh, the Achievement Hunter Heist game, Time Stories, which is it's like... pretty good. Yeah, so I've got the first Time Stories and then the Pirate expansion. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I want to play through them, but there are games that like you play through the game once, and they're, yeah, and they're like an experience. Yeah, it's yeah. like a it's like a board game experience. So it, it's it, they don't have a ton of replay value. The box is set up so that you can save the game essentially. Like if you're part way through the campaign or mission or whatever, yeah, you they're can, pretty long. Yeah, you can put all the pieces away. Like, oh, we only had three hours. Cool, we'll just put all the pieces away and then pick it back up where we left off next time. Yeah, I haven't been doing any of that, but the uh, other game I've been playing a lot of is still Monster Hunter World. Me and Kevin were doing a lot of the other stuff. We actually got four man together to go kill Nergigante for Ed, because we did it for Jeremy. With just It was just the three of us, right? It was me, yeah. you, and Kevin, and we killed him on like the second try. or First, first, first or second try? Okay, first, first try. I think it took me and Kevin three tries to kill him for me. It took us like three hours to kill it for Ed, and... Like that was one of those where it was just constantly. I got, I I got carded once in that entire time frame. So it did was, get carded to cost us one of the tries, though. That's what really <laughs> frustrated me is because it was also kind of a stupid mistake on my part. That was the closest we got until we beat it, and it was like our second try. Yep, that was when but it we was first only one cart, so it wasn't entirely my fault. When we first started, I was using greatsword, which I'm not that great on. I'm still working on getting so tackle like... timings and stuff like that. Okay, I sword. appreciate your joke. Yes. I was going to make yeah. the same. So I've been doing greatsword, and I uh, just it wasn't quite working out. So I was I was carting almost every attempt the first couple of times because I just I didn't have all the timings down. So I was like, all right. This isn't working. I'm going to switch to Lance. And then I never died again because it's Lance. And while I am not doing as much DPS as I could, I'm I'm playing way more defensively to be safe about it. You know, I'm spending a lot more time sitting behind my shield when it's like a really good Lance player just knows all the animations. So you're countering every animation and then just poking them over and over again. It was actually quite funny because Ed had a has a level three shield on one of his bow guns, and he's like, "Level three shield is just as good as a lance." And at one point, he gets killed with a <laughs> level three shield, and Kevin's just sitting right next to him with just a little in little bit of his HP missing. Yeah, so Nergigante did his dive bomb attack that will one shot you if your armor isn't good enough, and even then, if if your armor is good enough, if you just take the hit, it will do like seventy five percent of your health. Like, it, it's a devastating it's, attack. It's painful. But I had level 5 guard with my lance, so he charged me while I was blocking, and I took next to no damage, and Ed died. Yep. I was going to ask, have you tried gun lance? No, and I don't want to. Yeah, well, I find it to be a reasonable compromise between defense and being able to actually have some DPS. The problem is the attack animations take so long. But you still get the poke. You still you get the poke. The poke from your it's guy. actually, it's more slashes, um... 
it's it's not that Lance doesn't have the DPS. It's that I'm not good enough with the Lance to, to do to a lot do of DPS. Because I've seen gameplay footage of people doing Lance properly, and I've even done it before with some of the easier monsters, where it's like I know what all of your attack animations are. I can counter all of them. And the thing about Lance is it's a rule of threes. You get three pokes, and then you have to do something in order to get do more pokes. Usually it's three pokes, back hop, three pokes, back hop, three pokes, back hop. But you can also hop to the side or something like that, or even hop forward. Remember that one scene in Bleach where Renji is explaining how many attacks in a row you get? And I was like, wow, that's really stupid. But it turns out in Monster Hunter, it's true. <laughs> it's not actually Renji who's explaining that. It's somebody else who's actually explaining it. Yeah, yeah. while Renji is attacking, that yeah. is true. Yeah, I... We played one where we were going to go through the entire Rotten Vale and kill all the monsters down there f with Jeremy. Jeremy was the one that wanted to do it, and then he immediately got disconnected and couldn't rejoin the quest. And then you guys did it anyway. Well, we, we were already We there. had already started the quest. Like he, You'd gotten he, one minute in. You couldn't yeah. have possibly restarted. Well, well we were also fair, expecting you to reconnect, and by the time we found out that you basically couldn't, we'd already killed two of them. And so we are like, we might as well finish it. We might as well wait, hide Ed in a corner and spend 30 <laughs> minutes fighting a basil geese. No, no, no. Because we made it to the Odoragon with no carts. So we killed we killed Radaban first. Then we went down and fought the Great Gyros and Odoragon at the same time, basically. But we killed the Great Gyros. Or we were actually capturing them because the it's whole quicker. Point, yeah, it's quicker. And we had to kill all four monsters in 50 minutes. Well, that's a rule of Monster Hunter. You should always capture the monster if you ever have the means available to you. No, not entirely, because there's no? a lot of stuff that you can only get by carving them. It's not only ah. get by carving, it's higher percentages. Um, because the capture rewards are also off the carve table. It's I thought you said they weren't off the carve table. It's something to do with... So you can you can get every single monster piece off of a capture. You just get better chances off of a carve. And it costs resources. But we're mainly doing it because we were... Uh, trying to save some time. Ed got carded twice against the Odoragon, and we only had three. So we told Ed against the Basil Geese, go hide, we'll take care of this, because me and Kevin had fought him before. And Ed got annihilated by the Odoragon. He would have got destroyed by Basil Geese. And that got real tense, because even against Basil Geese, me and Kevin have experience against him, but he's still really tricky to go up against. Although the last time we went after him, we didn't cart at we all. We didn't cart so. at all, but the time the time before we did that Effluvial Opera, we did cart once, I want to say. So it's it's still yeah, one of those... I pinned or something like that. Yeah, I got pinned in a corner, and he uh, did the dive bomb at me, and I didn't get my dodge roll perfectly, so I died. Yeah, so he's still really tricky, so it was kind of tense. Of, we don't have any wiggle room. We have to do this right. So, fortunately, we were able to complete it, which was quite nice. And today, actually, I uh, went after one of the Elder Dragons. We tried earlier to go after Valhazak, the Rotten Vale Elder Dragon. And uh, we, because Steam does all of its maintenance on Tuesday, we all got separated to try and 1v1 him. But Bro. all failed. And so I decided to go uh, after the one of the other ones, Kushala Deora. The Dragon of Steel. The Dragon of Steel. And killed him on my first try so what do these look like because the like plot elder dragon well, whose name i can never remember does not look anything like a dragon they these look guys a look lot cool. they look more, more like dragons they look like okay. near gigante well i also don't know he's that guy that showed up randomly at the end of that quest the guy where covered you were trying to shoot him down like spikes oh that guy okay. that, yeah, that's yeah that's near gigante he's a tiny little dragon, yeah they're all right? about that size oh with the exception of that of Zora Magdaros. Yeah, Zora Magdaros the is huge. Valhazak uh, has a face only a mother could love. And the Dragon of Steel actually looks like a bronze or brass dragon from D&D, &D, actually. It's a very similar looking thing, yeah. I haven't gone after the Infernal Dragon. He's got a... Uh, he's more like a chimera. He's got like a lion head. And so I'm planning on going after him later, but uh, I only really had time to go after the one guy, and then Kevin showed up, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm doing these kind of alone at the time. But I need to go after the Kirin some more so, so I can finish I. my armor, and uh, I need to go after a couple of the other things so that I can finish up other gear. Like, I need to kill a Diablos. A lot more if you want to do the Diablos Charge Blade, and you do have to go a through the more. black in order to get the mm -hmm. full version. And we're probably going to have to go through the Diablo, the low-ranked Diablos at least later. Or no, we already did that, didn't we? Yeah. Because yeah, uh, you're already through that, right, Tyler? 
No, I don't think Tyler's. We'll have to go through Diablos again for Tyler. Yeah, okay. I've never, I, I've never encountered this thing. You've probably seen it. I encountered it uh, in the first story mission against the Baroth. Well, because I think I think I saw it on that on that mission because I it popped up through the ground or bur- no it burrowed while I was fighting the Baroth. It just like saw me and went eh whatever and left. For my story mission, the Baroth uh, did the head slam into the quicksand trap. And I got sucked into it and almost felt. I basically <laughs> fell on top of the Diablos, and I was playing with somebody who had uh, who was ahead in the story, and he was like, "You should run because if you don't know how to fight the Diablos, you will lose." He's rough. He's a lot easier if you're carrying a shield. Anything else, Zach? I played a little bit of the Yu-Gi-Oh card game on my Game Boy Advance, which is which old. one is that? I ball spam dual nope. five dual duels of fate. I don't remember the exact title of it. I just know it as the Game Boy Advance Yu-Gi-Oh game because it's the only one I have. That's Eternal Duel of Soul? I don't think that's what it's called. It's old and it's fun. I, I have a game already on there so I didn't actually like restart or build a new deck or anything like that. You just use your Total Defense Shogun and we're like, Total Defense. I'm going to wait this out. Yes, basically. <laughs> have you been playing any more Duel Links, Tyler? Any or you actually stopped doing that? Oh uh, yeah, I haven't played Duel Links in like over a year. That's kind of what I figured, but I figured I'd ask. What else have you been doing? So this is I had like four random extra hours of free time I wouldn't normally have. So of course I use it to play random video games. Other than Enter the Gungeon, but I am gonna start with that because I finally beat it once, guys. How glorious did it feel? Amazing. You go on like a time travel acid trip at the end of it while this cool hip hop song about the game plays. I don't, it's really trippy. I like it a lot. That sounds a lot like that game, that's certain. Yeah, definitely. That is true. I had started out with, like, two real bad runs. I'm like, eh, I'll do a third one, and then I'll be done. And then, like, an hour later, I'm like, oops, I accidentally beat the game. Well. <laughs> yeah, because that was when we were waiting on, we were kind of waiting on you to join us. You're like, I'm just going to play this quick run and enter the gungeon. No, that, that was a different day. Okay, because that, that was a different one where it's like, how long did that take? No, no, this was a while ago. It was like, like midnight or something one ah, night. Okay. I was like, I want to go to bed, but also I'm not sleepy yet, so I'm going to sit here and kill some time. And then, oops, all of a sudden it was one and I beat the game. Great game. I didn't really beat the game, though, because there's a bunch of parts you can collect to construct the bullet that can kill the past. And after you beat the final boss, you then fire a gun at yourself, which is the gun that shoots you every time you die in the dungeon. Like, you're actually killing yourself to send yourself back in time so that you can try it again. Turns out that was actually kind of a neat twist that I learned at the end of that. But if you have the bullet that can kill the past, you can send yourself back in time, like Thanos' time bullets. No, that's not Thanos at no, all. No, that's not. It's Darkseid. They're both bald and big. I mean, Thanos is Darkseid. Yeah. Jim Starlin is like, I want to make Metrod. And his editor was like, no, if you're going to copy one of the new gods, copy the good one. Metron's <laughs> great, guys. But yeah, he said the good one, not the great one. But if you have constructed the bullet that can kill the past once, every character has a unique ending. And after you have done that once, you can actually unlock more characters for the game. One of them is actually just one of the bullet guys that you kill all the time who has his own sword called Blasphemy. Nice. Because (laughs) it's all guns, so the sword is blasphemous. Also, knives are blasphemous. You can pick up a knife shield and it gives you curse. That is a thing that happened. I also started playing Sticks, Master of Shadows, which is like a fantasy-skinned Assassin's Creed where you play a goblin. I played it for about a half hour. It's really bad. I was really excited for it, and it was not very good. I didn't get very far in it either, because I also picked it up like, I like stealth games. I think the problem is that it bludgeons you with 15 minutes of dialogue and just, like, cutscenes before you actually even get to play, and then you start playing without, like, any of your cool movement mechanics or the ability to stab people. Like, it's way too slow to start, and instead of doing, like, as you're walking narration, which would have been totally fine because most of it's flashbacks anyway, so he could just be recounting the story to himself. It, like, sticks you in, like, these really wide-angle shots of stuff that just slowly pan while someone talks over it. I'm like, we've, we've had time to learn this lesson, guys. Narration. Ding. Yeah, no, you can do narration from the point of view of your character who's talking anyway as he's walking and killing dudes. That's fine. Let me do something while you're narrating. Exactly. Um... That's something that I think modern games have learned fairly well, is you can do stuff while narration is happening. I may or may not go back to it at some point. I, f- I feel like there's some promise there. Also, it's not a AAA studio, so... There's a sequel, I think. Yeah, that's why I picked it up in the first place, is because they were promoting the sequel by making the original cheap. Yeah. So, 
We'll see if I ever get back to it. I also picked up at the same time another stealth assassin game that looks way better where you can hop between shadows like some sort of weird shadow dancer. Origami. Yep, that's it, actually. Because <laughs> I have also played that game. Yeah. How is it? Because I haven't started it yet. It's pretty fun. It's got a very cool, it's almost like a Sin City art style of like, it's that very, very bold lines and very bright colors. Yeah, when there are colors, they are definitely colors. Yeah, and the color of your, you're an origami, like that's, you're like this like shadow demon thing that's been summoned. So that's why you can do stuff like control shadows, teleport to shadows. Okay. You actually start to fade out when you're not in shadow, which is like how you know you're being seen. It's got some really cool mechanics, and it's got some weird, it's like missions. So it's like, get through this level. All right, you need to make it to the goal. And then there's make it to the goal without killing anybody. Make it to the goal without them being alerted, that kind of stuff. One of the cooler powers that I haven't really used much because I didn't I didn't play a ton of the game was you can project a shadow from your own shadow so that it, okay because like there'll be shadows from like certain buildings you know stuff around the area and the the lighting and shadow work is really cool you can project your own shadow out in front of you so that you stay in shadow so like there's a sequence I think in the trailer where it's like the he's sneaking up to the guard and he projects his shadow to the guard shadow so that he can teleport to the guard and assassinate him. Yep, that sounds awesome. Or these all sound like things I want to play. Yeah, it was really cool. Anything else, Tyler? Um, yeah, actually a couple of things as I've been sitting here thinking about it. One of them is I finally finished off the long dark run I was playing forever ago. I stopped because I knew I was going to fail, and I decided I should finish it off. And twist, I did fail. <laughs> I went no, I went way faster on the way back. So, like, you basically have to go up to the top of this map, get a flare gun, and then go, like, all the way to the other side of the map. So you end up traversing the entire map over the course of it, and the tall mountain's, like, kind of right in the middle. I got to the tall mountain in the course of, like, five-ish in-game days and got, like, 90% of the way to the place I needed to go over the course of those last two days. So I think what I learned from that is you can move way faster in that game than you think you can. You just are almost dead the entire time you're doing it. <laughs> Which is acceptable. Just drink a lot of herbal tea and a lot of coffee. Drink the coffee to keep yourself awake and warm during the day and drink herbal tea right before you go to bed so you die less due to sleep. So... That nothing terribly new or exciting there, although they officially announced a release date in early December for Episode 3, and also a major like gameplay mechanic update. So I'm excited for that. I'm also excited I'm never going to play Episode 2 of that game ever again. So this is gaming-related, but I went to the History Colorado Museum. It's not the Colorado History Museum. It is the History Colorado Museum. It's legally distinct. It is legally distinct. So the Denver Museum of Nature and Science occasionally does, I think once a month does these things where they do themed like mixer nights basically called Science Lounge where they have like a specific topic and they'll like have people in to talk about the topic and like there's a cash bar and you wander around and they like sometimes there are games and stuff. My favorite ever, I just sat there and listened to two like county coroners talk about their job for like an hour and that was amazing. There were, there were one, good speakers and two, have really cool jobs. So this is similar to one of those, except they did it over the course of the entire History Museum building, which is like a four-floor building, and it was Oregon Trail IRL. They had a part Neat. where they had to ford a river while <laughs> a lady dressed in like period costume called Mother Nature tries to pin like various weather effects to you, <laughs> and if you you can die in multiple, like one person died fifteen times because he wanted to collect all the death pins because they give you pins or signify that you died. I got killed by the same snake multiple times. She liked my hair, so she kept following me around every time I walked by. Nice. There are like random people in medical scrubs handing out "You died of cholera" and stuff like that. But you had to like wander around and like they give you a pamphlet to complete objectives so that you could score yourself at the end of the game. One of them was like, you found a wild fruit. And they had like 15 wild fruits <laughs> hidden around the building. You could shoot bears with like a little like crappy knockoff Nerf gun that they give you. It was very fun. It sounds great. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. I wish they did it more frequently. That but, would kind of ruin it. I well, feel like. not, not that. I wish they did events like that okay. more frequently. It was a lot of fun. They had like a bunch of mini games. Like at the, there was a... You died after party on the top floor where basically like it was just like a white decorated ballroom, but they had a design your own tombstone thing 
yeah, no, it was it was great. It was very well done. It was way better than I was expecting it to be. As a corollary to that, we went to the museum shortly after that because like, ah, we should go to the museum again. And we did like a, uh, they have like a puzzle thing there. That's not relevant. What was relevant is that they had a like AR demo section thing where they had a bunch of, I guess, current generation headsets set up. And while we're there, a member of my group was like, we should totally go there and check it out. And I ended up being the only one who did it, which was super awkward. <laughs> But I ended up doing, I can't remember, the, it's like Beat Saber or something. It's basically like Dance Dance Revolution, except you have two lightsabers. And That's Beat it. Saber. It's Beat Saber, yeah. Uh, you have two lightsabers, and you have to like hit things in the correct direction to the rhythm of music, and then also start dodging walls in the middle of it. So you're like bouncing around the room, swinging your arms around wildly. I'm sure it looks a lot better for the person playing it than it does for the... As a wise man once said, even Steven Spielberg can't make somebody in VR look entertaining or good. <laughs> Which was fun, so that was my one game thing. I also played, I forget what it's called. I saw, like, ads for it before I played the game, and which is why I played it, and I'm not sure I like it. It's a, like, pathfinding game where you play a, like, rock climbing robot. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. So you have, like, a bunch of blue objects to which you can attach your disembodied hands, and you can fling yourself in the direction you're looking, depending on how you move your hands catch yourself on things and the goal is to like find ways to navigate around the level very quickly so they do metal times at the end of it and like took me a while to figure out the mechanics and i eventually got to the end of the first level and apparently scored a silver medal on it so the metal times were five minutes for bronze two minutes for silver and 21 seconds for gold i'm like how on earth were you supposed to have completed this in 21 seconds i don't even understand speed runner yeah i mean clearly that is true. phil did it so it can be done phil's yeah. a gold medalist you know robot phil that one guy. So I think that I think that is it. That is all the game stuff I've been playing. I've been playing Smash a lot more recently because I have like a lot of 15 to 20 minute periods. I'm like, well, I could either browse Reddit, do something productive with my life for 20 minutes, or play Smash. So I play Smash. I played an amazing Ganon doubles match for honestly like probably an hour and a half, which is way longer than I should have. And we just kept playing Ganons together. It was amazing. And we were actually pretty evenly matched too, which was fun. Anywho, what have you been up to, Kevin? Not Smash, I assume. Not Smash. Or Oregon Trail. <laughs> or Oregon Trail. Uh, apparently playing some of the same stealth games that you've been playing. But jumping back to the how do you get this done in 21 seconds just reminded me of a... It's one of the original Rayman games. And I was watching a speedrun of it. And the guy mentions that built into the game is a pixel-perfect jump necessary to complete one of the objectives. Like, you have to get a collectible in order to advance the story. And the jump to get it is pixel-perfect. He's like... I. I don't know how this made it through testing. Like, did the guy just do it first try by accident and was like, yeah, it's totally good. <laughs> first try. Was this uh, like Origins or one of the like old 3D ones or? No, this was 2D. It was one of the, I don't remember which one it is. It's one of the earlier Raymans. I just remember that story of like, yeah, so there's this pixel perfect jump built into the game. That must have been the most frustrating thing ever. So that's amusing that you mentioned that because... Ryan, the guy who listens to this podcast for reasons unknown, uh, randomly mentioned Rayman recently in the Discord. I saw that, yeah. So. Yeah, I saw that too. I've seen, because I know he was talking about, uh, what's the new Rayman? Uh, Legends. Legends. Yeah. I've seen clips of, like, there are musical-themed levels in that, where it's like the background is doing stuff to the theme of the music that's playing. So if you're doing the level at full speed, it sounds like the song, which is really cool. Yeah, that's actually pretty neat. I was going to say the recent-ish Rayman game, like, they don't produce them very often, but at least according to Penny Arcade, have all been gold. I haven't actually gotten to play any of them, which is sad. Yeah, I haven't played much Rayman, but things that I have been playing, I've been playing Guacamelee 2. Oh, awesome, awesome. I really want to play that game. It's well, on my list. One day I'll play Guacamelee 1. I'm surprised I was, like, the first person to see that this was an extant thing. But because I don't care and assumed you guys had already seen it, I, we were at uh, our gaming night and Kevin was like, there's a guacamole. I just found out there's a guacamole too. And I'm like, you just found that out? Yeah, Zach randomly pointed it out to me. I'm like, one, yeah. I don't know why you're paying attention to that, but two, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard anything about guacamole too. Yeah, um, I knew they were working on it at some point, yeah, but I hadn't heard anything about I it. I didn't it know that they were working on it. It was on the front page of Steam, and that's the only reason why yeah. I saw it. Yeah, like I never go to the store tab on Steam. Same. Usually the only time I'll go to the store tab is to go to the wishlist tab, which I know is a very backwards way of doing it, but that's how I do it. 
Uh, but anyway, I've been playing Guacamelee 2. I'm currently stuck at the... It's one of the hidden challenges. So it's you don't need to do this to beat the game. But it's one of the... I'm at the final part of a six-part challenge. So it's five different mini dungeons to unlock these keys. I unlocked a key, and I'm now going through the Crucible. It's rough. Like... That sounds amazing. Yeah, I just got through this section that involves you dodging death balls while floating on gusts of wind that make you move faster than the death balls. So you have to like, you're a chicken during this whole thing. So you, okay, have, to, yeah. you have to flap your wing. So if your wings are out, you'll rise up. And if they don't, you'll fall. So you have to kind of like flap your wings to so make like it through these. Bird. Yeah, you have to flap your wings to go through these death balls while also transitioning between the land of the dead and the land of the living because certain balls are there in one world and not in the other. Yep. That was that was a lot of stuff going on at once that I just managed to beat and now I'm at this section where you have to do something similar while using they added a chicken move called the Poyo slide. And so you're doing that to move across these platforms where you're transitioning between the land of the living and the land of the dead where the platforms exist while also dodging these death balls. Yeah, some of the chicken challenges they had in the first one were my favorite ones. They were hard. Yeah, the this is this is challenging. Which I kind of love. Yeah. I love I love this whole concept of this game. It's amazing. Yeah, there was so this one's pretty great in the fact that there are a bunch of parallel worlds. So occasionally you'll just go into one of these parallel worlds. So like one of them was you go through like a Final Fantasy style RPG where like you get into that battle system of like you walk up to the enemy and all right, there's two of the regular skeletons and one of the big skeletons. And it's like, would you like to punch? Oh, it actually puts you into a JRPG yeah, fight. Yeah, it, it puts yes. you into the JRPG fight where it's like where you'd like to punch, use a dash attack or heal. Oh, you can't use one of your special guacamelee moves. Well, that's the the dash punch. So okay, you get the gotcha. you get the one. So like, there's one where you just kick one enemy, but for more damage. One where you hit in a line for less damage, or you can heal. Okay, this is amazing. Yeah, it there's there's <laughs> some pretty there's some pretty great stuff in it. So I've really liked guacamelee too. I've had to look up a couple of things. I had to look up how to beat some of the challenges. Some of these. Yeah, I had to Illuminati. do that in the first one too. So. Yeah, some of the chicken Illuminati challenges. Chicken Illuminati. Yeah, the the storyline. There's some great stuff in there. But guys, if we if you don't didn't have enough of me rambling about how great Guacamelee was way back when I played that, Guacamelee is amazing, and they have like so many so many good good video game references. Like they clearly honor their Metroidvania homage because like all your new moves come from Chozo statues. <laughs> you have to beat them into, into dust to get them. My favorite part from the first game was the one where you bust the statue and it's like, you get nothing. And it puts you into the screen that tells you the move name and it's like, nothing. Yeah, and then the guy comes out and he's like, why did you break my statue? Yep. Goat mentor. Yep. So yeah, Guacamelee 2 allows for four-player co-op, which I want to try at some point. I never did the co-op in Guacamelee 1 because you could have two-player co-op. Is it online co-op in 2? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's online co-op. Yeah, I think that's what it was missing in the first one, is it was uh, couch only. I mean, not not missing. I am still a fan of couch only co-op. It just makes it hard to actually do sometimes. Yeah, it just, Guacamelee 2 has the weird thing of, like, the platforming challenges don't become easier with multiple people versus some of the combat challenges would. Yeah, no, I feel like if you're doing that game with a group of people, you have to get people who are similarly neurotic about level of completion to you. Like, if none of you care about collecting items, that's fine. But if one of you cares about collecting items, that person's going to be irritated the entire time they're playing with everyone else if you're not getting all the stuff. The question is, can you get in people's way for platforming challenges or not? I don't, I don't so. know. I, I think it just affects the view, um, which might make it harder or easier. Yeah, because, like, some of the rooms involve, you know, you have to try as you're moving across, you have to do the thing. So it's like, so does everyone have to do all of the things? Because that seems It depends dumb. on how screen transitions work. I yeah. Think. Like, if one person can do it and just, like, carry everyone across, I don't know. Anything else, Kevin? I do want to mention, so just earlier today we were playing Monster Hunter World and we fought mm. the Devil Joe. So I got the cool Devil Joe Lance, which is really cool in the fact that it spins when you have it active. I need, like, one more piece to build a charge plate for that. Yeah, I also need one more piece to build a longsword for that. <laughs> I'm down for fighting more Devil Joes because I want to upgrade mine because the Devil Joe Lance is actually really good. The charge plate is dragon, so I think they're all dragon type, which he is one of the reasons why I want it. Yeah, they also have high Elder Seal, which is really useful. 
That's why I've got my uh, Nergigante Clave. What does Elder Seal do? It, it screws up the Elder Dragon's abilities. So no. all of the Elder Dragons have an aura ability, okay. uh, even technically Nergigante, but his is not an aura, it's his spikes. So, like, Kushaladora has a wind aura that when it reaches max potency, melee users can't get next to him. Like, you try and oh. move up to him and it pushes you away. It builds a windshield around him. How do you, if you don't have any of the specific items for that, how do you negate that? It will wear off eventually, okay. so you have to spend some of your time running around. And, and then the elder, yeah, the elder dragons themselves drop things called dragon pods when they, reach, when they reach low enough health and you can fling them back at them and they do, they will do elder seal. Speaking of Dragon Pods, check out our other podcast, brand new, Jumpstart Weekly, where we just read Dragon Ball. Also, which is like a dragon pod, right? Yes. Except it's a ball. Exactly. I mean, that's a synonym. Yeah, what did you... Uh, okay, never mind. Never mind. That's, this is not the form for that. I was going to ask, what did you think of reading the original Dragon Ball? But We have a podcast where you I can know. find out. Yeah, I know. I guess I'm just going to have to listen to the podcast that you, the person I actually know in person, produces. That's or Discord be, me, maybe. Yeah, that's going to be weird. It's not that weird. Anyway, Dragon Pods. Yeah, so, bit of more Monster Hunter World. Got the cool lance. Anything else, Kevin? No. What have you been playing, Jeremy? More Monster Hunter and I don't want to play anything else? I played the first, like, 30 minutes of that Spider-Man game. It's pretty Spider-Man. Have you taken any sweet spider selfies? No, I have not. I didn't get to the camera. It plays exactly how you remember that PlayStation 2 Spider-Man playing. Yeah, you guys always talk very fondly it of was it. It was Spider-Man 2. I never played it. I think it was on the GameCube, not PlayStation it's 2. It's on both. It was on both. Okay. And I think it was Xbox on the as Xbox well. as well. Spider-Man 2, the movie, the game. Yes, it plays as well as you remember that playing. It's very Which is not as well as it actually plays, yes. right? <laughs> Probably. The, the movement was solid. Like, that was the best part of it. Yeah, webbing around I, the city. That's what I hear was, like, the best part. I didn't play all, enough of it. That was really my brother's bag. But like that's what I always hear whenever people are talking about it, was that the movement was really, really great, but I don't really hear anything else about the rest of that game. Here's the worst thing about the Spider-Man game. J. Jonah Jameson has a podcast where he complains about Spider-Man. That's not the worst thing. <laughs> whenever you get in a fight and st to stop a random crime, the podcast stops playing. So Spider-Man has to swing around not stopping crime so you can listen to how great J. Jonah Jameson is. Who's the special effects villain? The Mysterio. Mysterio. The Mysterio fight is glorious oh, in that game. Too? Yeah. Yes, it's one of the best. Is that the one where like you, his, he gets like ten health bars and then you hit him once and he just yeah. falls over? Because in order to get to him, you have to go through a bunch of challenges. So that's his actual boss fight. And then when you get to him, he gets ten health bars, and then you punch him once and they all go back down <laughs> and he drops. It's very good. Also, I I should have mentioned this last week. I'm playing Mega Man X three slowly, but I'm actually beating it. Oh, nice. I've beaten all the other Mega Man games we've played for this podcast, and I realized that I was actually very close to getting the double air dash, and that's all I wanted. Uh, has your opinion on the game changed much since uh, we did the episode on it? I would rank it where we actually put it. I wanted to put it lower. Okay. Yes, my attitude toward it has improved, but not great. Not substantially. That's all I've been playing, but last episode, we promised to tell Zach about Bowsette. And now this meme is old for you listeners. But this is going to be great fun for us. So, what? Okay, so, so are you familiar with you're familiar with Toadette, right? The, the, the female like, Toad from yeah, Star sure. So yeah. they're releasing new Super Mario Brothers U on the Switch because that's what Nintendo does now. They play, <laughs> put games that nobody played on the Wii U on the Switch. Well, that's what they've been doing for twenty years. So what's the difference? Uh, they added Toadette to this game, and listeners, I apologize. This is going to be very visual aid intensive, but you can watch all our visuals at the website last podcast or on our show notes. So Toadette has a special power-up, a royal crown, that allows her to transform into Peachette, who is who not is basically just Peach. He was not quite Peach. It, may it maybe implies that Peach is, in fact, a toad. I don't know. It's very strange. Okay. Uh, she makes slightly different noises in Peach, too. I actually watched the trailer for this. So is it like Mario? So that somebody made this comic, which is a reference to uh, the end of Super Mario Odyssey when Mario and Bowser are fighting for Peach's attention, and she's like, no, I am not marrying either of you. Okay. So they get rejected. Bowser stole the crown from Peach and puts it on, and it turns him <laughs> into Bowsette. 
And then this happened. And now I just Google image search Bowsette, which I was almost scared to do. I'm almost a little disappointed in how tame the results were. Do you have safe search on though? Probably. Um, That's so why. my 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 sad thing is, so I first saw this on a Tumblr thread that one of my coworkers well, showed me. Where do you me. think I saw it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sad that in the default page of results here, there isn't spicy Bowsette, who is like. Oh, a, I've seen inexplicably like tan. You fire scroll breathing. down a little bit and you see her. I thought you did. Oh uh, anyway. yeah, there's one right there. There's there's one of her faces right there. That's pretty good. What the hell is <laughs> yeah, this? So the, this, so this took is, the hell off. Yeah, this took yes. the hell off. Um, Nintendo See, stock. Even PewDiePie's here. <laughs> I am going to point out Nintendo's stock rose four points in the wake of Bowsette. It is the most tweeted thing in Japan right now, still at the time that we were recording this. Also, there are like a bunch of knockoffs as people realize that you can do this to any, <laughs> any Mario character. Somehow, it took people this long to start drawing sexy fan art of Mario enemies. That's uh, not true. It's just become more mainstream that now. Is true, yeah. <laughs> now that everyone's is... doing it. Yeah. Uh, now it's passe. What the hell? Um, okay. I, also, I saw Booette for the first time today, which ranges from adorable and shy to creepy, I'm going to eat your soul poltergeist. Yes. So, and I really like that range. I'm, li- I'm glad that that entire range exists. So what I'm saying is, thank you, Internet. This aligns with my interests greatly. <laughs> I guess we're just going to have to wait until the next Mario game comes out when Nintendo just makes that canon. Yes. Yeah, but uh, Nintendo refuses to do that. Anytime anything is popular, Nintendo's stuns you like, no. Except the Helix Fossil. They were very into that. Really? Uh, it shows up in Omega Ruby at Alpha oh, nice. Sapphire. So one of the random subreddits I subscribe to is Pokemon Shaming, and this one guy, just one guy, has been single-handedly resurrecting this sub that's been dead for a year, and the first one he put on there was a picture of an Ammonite holding a placard that says, I started a cult. I was also going to say about my favorite thing to come out of the Bowsette thing is Waluigi, who is like this very masculine, it's basically just Waluigi in a dress. Is it, it's, is it Cho Anarchy Princess Peach? Yes, actually, pretty much. But very lanky instead of super muscular. Yeah, so I found out about the Bowsette thing because I follow an artist that does... Anything. It doesn't matter what the artist does. It doesn't matter what he does. <laughs> he is actually currently commissioned to do the official My Little Pony comics. Like, nice. he's doing art oh. for the My Little Pony comics. I know this guy. Yeah. He did a three-page Bowsette comic, and he was like, I'm supposed to be taking a break from drawing. Why am I doing this? And that's, like, literally every post on that. This guy, he typically does black and white drawings. And he, he did full color. <laughs> he did black and white because colorizing takes a lot of extra time for him. But this guy is amazing. And then I also... Um, so you have to send me a link to that particular comic because that's yeah. the thing I want to consume with my eye things. Yeah. Put it in the host chat because I'm interested in this too. I can do that. So... Or hell, just put it in the Discord <laughs> for anybody. about it. Yeah, I can just... I can just we can either link his Tumblr in the show notes. Well, yeah, but I don't have to have, have to wait for all the time for this episode to come out to read it. I will have forgotten about it by then. Yeah, I will, I'll post it in the <laughs> Discord, too. But also, uh, Murata Sensei, the guy who draws for One Punch Man, did a Bowsette drawing, <laughs> which is actually, because it's Murata Sensei, amazing. This is the first I'm hearing of this. I'm not unsurprised. See, you you get all these Guacamelee 2 news, but not all the sweet Bowsette st- news. I checked Steam, the Steam store just to see the new releases. I know new releases coming out. I know about most of those things when it comes down to games. When it comes to memes, I don't pay any attention to that. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I was a couple days late on this. I mean, I was too, but I was late enough that Kotaku also told me, oh man. Yeah, he just, that, is, did that just be the next One Punch Man monster and can she win? No, no, she will explode or become well, an ally. I, I watched One Punch Man, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One crown! I don't know. Uh, so speaking of none of that, speaking <laughs> of cyberpunk dystopians with too many memes, we All played right. System Shock for the PC. Okay, play Bioshock. There you go. Well, done. maybe play System Shock 2. Now we're done. No, play Bioshock. We haven't played System Shock 2 yet. We can't count it out. System Shock has an impressively bad control screen, right? Okay, My well, God. Is, is that the place uh, to start? Should no, we start with the intro? The intro is actually kind of great. So you are Hackzor, and apparently you're in the Kill a Kill universe. So as soon as you start hacking, people are on you to stop you from doing that and arrest you. Uh, but you're offered a job in exchange for not go to prison. You All you have to do is go up to Space Station and loosen the morals on the AI that controls it and grant some guy root access. I think you grant him root access and he 
lowers the morals. And hey, we'll even do a cool surgery on you to give you cool cyber gear, and you'll be unconscious for a cool six months, and everything will be cool when you wake up. Or everyone will be dead because it's a video game. And it's also mutants pay for NPCs. This is like intentionally letting somebody start a video game. If anybody ever says you're going to be unconscious for six months, tell them no, because that's the guaranteed to start either a video game or a zombie apocalypse. No, I was going to say you're going to be... Six months is not Futurama. You're going to be the protagonist in something you don't want to be the protagonist in. Yep. Either a video game or a uh, zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and not a shonen anime. I just think of that Onion video about how, oh, these games teach kids to discriminate against cyborgs and mutants. But in the apocalypse, most of our kids are going to be cyborgs and mutants. <laughs> I mean, the intro is at least, it gives you an idea of what you're doing there. Yeah, it's very good context. This is very good for the time, I feel. Yeah, it was a cool It was a cool story hook. Especially so, because landing in control scheme does not really give you a good idea of what you're supposed to be doing there. I was going to say really quick, what was the time? Because that's kind of important. 1995! Yeah, so this postdates Doom, which I think is important to note. It predates Windows 95, I think. It probably postdates it. Hey, only Windows 95 had the... Yeah, this postdates Doom, and it's trying to do something different with its control scheme, which to a degree I admire. You can kind of compare it to Resident Evil, where people will say, oh, the bad controls are kind of good, though, because they give you a more horror-stilted feel, and it makes it less of a combat game. And there are some real cool ideas here, like being able to lean, but the controls are hot garbage. I would like to point out that we, I think, all played the enhanced version, which was like a yep. remastered version of the game. I don't think Jeremy did. I think I did, I did, but I don't think I turned on the look, or mouse look, because I didn't know it was an option. Well, so you think that the enhanced version also is still heart garbage. Yep. Yeah, it's still not great. You, have, you select between being able to actually control the game like you know you would expect, and then having to stop controlling the game like you would expect in order to pick things up. Yeah, I would actually say it switches between like point-and-click adventure mode and shooter mode. And neither of them work particularly well. Yeah, but you get to run around this like cool space station and fight some, not really cool, but extant mutants and stuff. Beat up a few cameras. I think what's really cool about this game is how Metroidvania-y it is, despite being a PC game in 1995. And it's a weird thing that its descendants haven't really picked this up. But it has a pretty cool kind of spoken wheel, like almost Disneyland design, that has you retracing your steps a lot with new powers, but in ways that are usually intuitive, and you realize, oh, hey, I have this now. I can go back to that one spot. And that's all very cool. Unfortunately, you have to get through the controls to get to that, and that's impossible. Also, it dumps you straight in with zero tutorial, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but the game is fairly complex and might have benefited from a little bit of hand-holding. It's it's pretty normal for games at this time of gaming where you don't really include any kind of tutorialization. I mean, games nowadays, obviously, have started to get better about working them in well. But here, this game, like Tyler said, is complicated enough that... I don't really think that just having a manual for it would have been enough to really understand how to play it. Yeah. And like you get there, like I muddled through for about a half hour. I think I probably got the furthest of everyone actually playing it. I think definitely. I think Jeremy and I both noped out and just watched Let's Play at some point. But I didn't even do that. Um, I got I, I got to a point where I eventually got killed by a turret. So that was, I think, about a half hour worth of playtime. Uh, yeah, and it took me about a half hour to really get the controls to the point where they only felt clunky instead of horrible. Oh, they always felt terrible to me. Yeah, they were never great. It looks like the game goes interesting places later, though, and I was a little sad I didn't get to experience that, but man, I didn't want to deal with that mess to get that far. You said it oscillates between puzzle solving and fighting, and actually one of the cool things is up front it has four different difficulty sliders, one for fights, one for puzzles, one I don't remember, and one for cyberspace. <laughs> and I really like them being able to vary up the difficulties like that, because if you just like don't want to do puzzles, you can just turn that all the way down. Or if you just don't want to deal with the combat, you can yeah. just turn that all the way down. And yeah, you can just it, explore. It's definitely an interesting way about doing that, especially with a game as complicated as this one actually is, because it gives you that choice of how customizing the experience to your personal tastes exactly and so that leads to the question what is cyberspace so tyler would you please tell us Um, what is cyberspace that's a good question you log into a computer and you're in a quasi floating environment and it kind of feels like you're on ice skates with rockets attached to them that you are not controlling 
you'll just like randomly move sometimes. There's a weird acceleration. You have to dodge a giant, I think, floating the main antagonist's head. It's very weird. It it's looked to me surreal. like you were playing Andros in a Star Fox 64. Yeah, the, the yeah. goal is actually to go navigate and find a specific item. Usually it's not really a maze, but it's kind of it's maze-esque, maze-ish. And you have to like roller skate around on your like hyper feet. Actually, what the difficulty slider for that does is make it so that you have better control of yourself in cyberspace. And that sounds terrible. Yeah, it's not great. It's cool. I like the idea. Man, is it a bad execution? Um, that, that's actually a lot of this game is, man, that's a cool idea. It's not a great execution. Some of the stuff that is executed well, though, is stuff that kind of influenced an entire genre or at least subgenre. This is, as far as I can tell, the first appearance of audio logs because it's still early in audio being used that often. And I, mm-hmm. one thing I will point out is that Those... the voice acting in this game is just overall pretty solid. Audio yeah. logs permeated everything for a little while, and man, does a, do some games not need audio logs. And you know what's funny is I don't think it happened until Bioshock, which is a clear descendant of this Not game. Doom 3 actually came out before Bioshock. And also had that? God, yes. Okay, well. But yeah. Doom 3 did it badly. Yeah, I was going to say, this game wouldn't have existed without Doom, and Doom 3 may not have existed without this game, so. Although Doom looks a hell of a lot better than this game, so. Yeah, that's something, I don't know, I feel like it's very... That's because this game is a graphical mess, or I guess an art design mess. Yeah, it's it's an artistic nightmare. I actually feel like it's working with very similar assets. They just chose very different palettes to stick on top of Well, it. and that was also the art style that they were going with, that there's just a ton of information. Yeah, but at the same time, it makes it very difficult to see if there's something actually trying to kill you i yes. when i died i got killed by a turret that i didn't even realize was there because it was shooting at me and i didn't know if i was being shot at by something or punched by something else one thing that's actually kind of eh about the game especially in relation to death is that sometimes you want to get somewhere else in the station and if your last save location was closer to that than where you are it is sometimes a lot more convenient to just die and mm-hmm. get respawned over in that area after having completed your objective um, because it becomes quasi-persistent after a while. You're, like, being reincarnated as a cyborg every time you die after you discover the first cyborg location. What kind of compounds that, though, is, like, you have to wade through hordes of enemies no matter where you go because it, the game constantly responds to them. Yep. Um, but resources are not necessarily infinite, so you're constantly running out of ammo fighting these infinitely responding enemies unless you use your definitely not a Gordon Freeman crowbar which is actually definitely not because Half-Life hasn't come out yet, Yep. to whack all your enemies in the face, which is entirely doable. The enemies aren't great. The, um, the thing about that is is that infinite respawning bad guys is not a great mechanic to begin with. Unless infinite, they give you a bunch of ammo. Well, like It's still not a great mechanic. because uh, um, it, Firefight would argue with you. Go on. The Halo game mode Firefight? That's like okay. wave survival, that's, though. That's not that's, infinitely responding enemies. That's a specific <laughs> game type. For a general game, especially one with the kind of stuff like limited resources. That's the big thing. It makes it a lot worse. Firefight's kind of tricky because ODST did it right, and then the one right after it reach. just turned it into a uh, yeah, reach, turned it into a scoreboard gameplay yep. instead of a survival game. And that's kind of the point, is you're trying to survive, and that's all you're doing. But here, you're trying to do things, you're trying to get places, and that's where infinitely respawning bad guys, especially if you're backtracking, becomes a big problem, because you're trying to get someplace and then go back and do something else, and it just feels like you're not doing anything, because everything keeps coming back. Yeah, to that's support I... your point, it's fine in Metroid, because those re- you can use it to respawning farm. enemies are a source of ammo and health. Yeah, was, that's actually the counterexample I was going to bring up. But one, there are only certain locations where they are infinitely respawning. And two, you can just sit there and, like, peg them. They all die in one hit. They're just there to give you resources. Part of my problem with this game is that I would love to explore this, and I kind of wish it was just, like, an ambient horror game instead yeah. of what it is. <laughs> if we're going to go to its strengths again, uh, going back to the voice acting, I feel like Shodan is the first example of, like, a villain that's present throughout a game. Certainly, I don't think we'd get to, like, GLaDOS without Shodan talking to you throughout. And taunting you. you. Taunting you, telling you everything. And I feel like it's worth just, like, watching a collage of all the times Shodan talks to you, for sure. I'm sure somebody's made that. Yeah, because the voice acting's really good. The effects on it are really cool. And it is engaging. And it's great that she shows up in the sequel, which is hopefully way better than this. 
Well, I mean, it spawned the generation of Bioshock games, so I would hope it's better than this. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the things, or when we were uh, considering System Shock, I thought it was System Shock 2, the one where you get psionic powers, which pretty directly inspire all the stuff you can do in Bioshock. Yeah, weirdly, this game doesn't have any RPG elements. You never make choices about what your character's good at, what his stats are. It's pretty much a straight shooter when it comes to gameplay, other than the puzzle and cyberspace elements. It's just overly complicated shooter. Yeah, I mean, to their credit, they were trying a lot of stuff. It did not all come together. I think they probably were trying too much for the time. Yeah. A lot of it's an evolutionary dead end. And unfortunately, the stuff that sticks out is all evolutionary dead ends. The stuff that's really forward thinking and would influence games even into the modern era is all super buried in there, which is a shame because it makes it super hard to find. Yep. But they tried again later, so. Do we have any final thoughts on this? Hopefully System Shock 2 is better. I know Bioshock is better. I guess my biggest disappointment is that they had a chance to do a remastered version of this, and they changed oh, the control they, scheme. Yeah, and they completely but they, screwed it up. Yeah, they but they didn't change it enough. <laughs> like, I feel like there are ways that it could have been salvaged, and they... Dropped the ball? Yeah, maybe it was going to be too much coding. I don't know. Like, at some point, you had to do, like, a cost-benefit analysis. And well, and I think, that's what, I think that's what the Enhanced Edition was, was them just cleaning it up. I think there's still... There's... There was like talk on actually doing a remastered edition where they come back and they they but, change stuff up to make it more palatable. They probably but that's stopped falling do- through. My they probably under- stopped doing that when they realized that that was just Bioshock. Well, they, my understanding is there was a Kickstarter that another development studio did to get the rights to do that, uh, and the Kickstarter funded, and then they completely mismanaged the money, ah. and so the project is pretty much up in smoke uh, because they have Kickstarter obligations they've talked about they're going to try to continue to work on the project but being out of money makes it pretty difficult yeah it's hard to do anything when you have no money so speaking of not having any money we have a list on our website www.lastpodcast.com listing all the games we've made from the ones we think should make the most money the one we think should make the least money the most money maker is chrono trigger it just came out on uh, steam it's bad uh, what? What? How? It's the phone port, if I remember correctly. What? Yeah. Yep. At the bottom is City Connection. It doesn't make any money. It doesn't drop I mean, zero quarters into that. Bad you Chrono cannot, Trigger is so better than City Connection. So. You cannot pay me to play that game. In the middle is Blades of Steel. It breaks even. So the game I want to start comparing this to is actually one Kevin was on, because it's the one game I think has really descended from this that we've played, which is Thief. I think it's worse than Thief because Thief is controllable. I'm not a great fan of Thief, but yeah, that's a perfect way of putting it. Thief is actually controllable. Yep, I was able to navigate Thief. I was not really able to navigate this. I barely made it out of the first room. Yeah, one thing I think they share in common, at least for me, is I really like the idea of both of them, but don't actually like playing either of them very much. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably a good way of (laughs) looking at it, too. So I'm going to be frank. Normally, I try not to look at the list so I don't like judge before the moment. I actually think, personally, System Shock should go directly before Dragon Quest because I think it has a lot of the upsides that Dragon Quest has. It's got a lot of influence. It's like got a real good core if you get into it, but it's a very impenetrable game that does not hold up very well. And it doesn't hold up as well as Dragon Quest, I don't think. It's totally uncontrollable. Like, I, I guess it's not totally uncontrollable because I did actually get a bit farther. Without that mod, it would be uncontrollable. But it's just... I mean, people played so, it at the time, so it's not uncontrollable. It just is not did a lot standard of thing, with the modern conventions. People did a lot of things in the past that you look at it and there's absolutely no way you'd do that kind Bell of thing. bottom jeans. What were they thinking? Oh, well, man, they, how would you build a pyramid? You'd, they put a brick there, 12 bricks there an hour? Oh, man. The Why? N64 controller? I mean, it's kind of the same idea. I think it... Like, I mean, we're talking Dragon near... Quest right now, yeah, it... so it, and I think we're all in agreement. It's not as good as Dragon Quest. No. But I think it should go above Red Faction just on its ideas alone, even though it's not nearly as playable as Red Faction. We talked about Red Faction recently. It's serviceable, right? Uh, but it doesn't really do anything to innovate. It's trying to copy Half-Life. It's uh, as... playable. Yes, yeah, so as a counterpoint, this game is unserviceable, but is trying to do a lot. So, like... Does that average out to better? I mean, like I said, that's where I think it should go. But there are two other people on this podcast because I think its ideas are very strong. There's a reason we get not only Bioshock from this, but Dishonored and like a whole subgenre of these 451 games. Ideas, yes, but it's not fun to play. I actually have had fun playing Red Faction. Um, it 
So I found it fun to how, how to say this. It's got fun ideas, but it is not fun to interact with. I was actually going to say I found it fun to explore, fun to interact with. It was not fun to play, which is a weird combination. I, I think I would actually have to side with Zach on this one. I think Red Faction is a bit better. I don't want it to fall a whole lot lower, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I was going to say, this is the trick, because I really don't know what game to compare it to next. Dig Dug. <laughs> yes, Dig Dug. No, God. Like, I can pick my battles. Like, I can say Earthworm Jim, and we can make a very good argument that it's better than Earthworm Jim, right? But I'm cherry-picking that game as what I know I can, like, beat in an Stone argument. Keep. Stone Keep? Sure. Yeah, Stone, Stone Keep's Keep. actually pretty similar. Yeah, that's a good idea, Zach. Let's do Stone Keep. So I think it's better than Stone Keep, because they're both games that are kind of innovative, right? But Stone Keep ends up being, like, nothing in Stone Keep It's also a endures, little impenetrable, right? actually. I mean, they, they both, both suffer from a lot of the same problems. They're both kind of impenetrable. You need to spend way too much time with either one to actually understand the basics of the game. But I think uh, System Shock, the reason why we get a lot of these other games is because System Shock did have good ideas. It did have interesting ideas. It's just, man, are those controls bad. Well, and like the good stuff is buried deep. You actually had to get fairly far into the game to start actually getting to the juicy, nuggety center. Yeah. So in the center, there is Cybernator. That's a weird comparison. Wow. Um, but it's the one yeah, we're stuck Definitely with. System Shock, actually. I have to go with System <laughs> yeah. Shock because, um, man, that... That unbeatable second level of Cybernator. You know, I actually beat Did the you? unbeatable second level. The, the problem, I actually got to the fourth level of that, but the problem is if you die at any point, you go back to the beginning. So, but no, definitely System Shock has a lot more going on. So between them in the center is the secret of Monkey Island. Oh man, this Again, is I'm hard giving, for me. I'm tempted to give it to System Shock because like, I like Secret of Monkey Island fairly well. It doesn't really have any new ideas, right? It's just well-executed Well, it's basically ideas. just one long joke, yeah, right? I, yeah. I don't really like either one, but uh, it sounds like I'm outvoted anyway. I mean, Ty, I feel like Tyler what... didn't vote. Yeah, I, I, I haven't oh, actually voted. Um, damn it. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't matter what I say, and I don't have to give an opinion, but you do. Damn it. Damn it. Well, I mean, you don't um, have to. You can make me talk first. I haven't yet. Yeah, go ahead if you've if you've already thought up something because I'm trying to think. No, I think System Shock, by virtue of the amount it's trying to do, and with it's eventually okayish, I guess you, you can you can deal with it. Controls. Um, I think it's actually doing a lot more than Secret of Monkey Island. I think Secret of Monkey Island endures well because it's quirky and it's got some good humor. And I guess I, recently it did get a facelift. Yeah, and so I th that probably predisposes at least me to it a little bit more. But I think the reason System Shock endures is because it's actually doing a lot of interesting and unique things. So last week we played Donkey Kong Land, a technical marvel. That game is a lot more playable, but I think maybe less fun. How do we think it compares? I'm having trouble with this one. My gut says above, but like I said, I'm the one who's been arguing to put it higher than we have anyway, and it's a very gut feeling, because Donkey Kong Land is playable, but I feel like I'd rather try to get through System so, Shock than play more Donkey Kong yeah, Land. Kevin, you were actually there for this one. I was actually there for this one, and I kind of agree with Jeremy. While the controls are definitely weird, they're not unplayable, it's just different. It'd be like suddenly trying to control the game with a flight stick. Well, If I could get it down, I feel like I could have more fun with the game. It's just, I... I have so much stuff to do. I was like, I don't have the time to sink in learning this control scheme when System Shock 2 exists. <laughs> yeah, or Bioshock exists and all those games like that where it's like, you know, I've got Dishonored 2 to play. I've got all these games that are based off of this game that I can play where I don't have to learn some janky control scheme. You don't have in to order to play, it. to play. Yes. And I was going to say that I don't know that I had fun necessarily with either of these games, but as Jeremy pointed out, I am way more interested in knowing more what's going on. Like, I, I know what's in Donkey Kong Land. I know what's there. I've seen that before. I ate that cake. Um, yeah, I, I, would, uh, I would agree with all of the statements currently made. So you ate that cake. It was delicious cake. Our new midpoint game is Fatal Fury King of Fighters. <laughs> It's either that or Mario Kart or Mario Party. I, I think King of Fighters might be better. I've been arguing to put it higher every time, but Fatal Fury isn't great. That's why it's so low, but it is competently executed fighting game, right? Yeah, this is the one where you could choose from one of the three originals, right? Yeah. That had Duck King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the like hop back and forth mechanic. I think I would have to agree that I, well, mm, I don't know. 
This is close for me because, again, System Shock has so much more going There's on. There's a lot going on, and I don't know that Fatal Fury actually really has anything that that progresses past this. But it, it does eventually lead us to SNK Heroines. What is this? I guess oh, that's technically true. Oh, are true. you not? Okay, Tyler, one more trailer before Oh, well, okay. I did not know. Tyler had no idea what this is. That's still the most confusing thing to me, but whatever. Uh, um, it's very confusing. Not not the game itself. There's some licensing issues with okay. that game that confuse me. I'm actually looking at the other two games, seeing if I think it how it compares to the other ones, because I'm not really drawing a great sense of it. And looking at it, I'm not. <laughs> that's not really helping. I think it's worse than Mario Kart, but better than Mario Party. So, so you I, think it goes either above or below Fatal Fury King of Fighters? Welcome to the why it's so damn difficult. Although I think I would probably put it above Fatal Fury. Purely on ambition's sake. And I don't, I mean, I think I say this every time it comes up. I don't normally put a lot of emphasis on ambition, but this game is trying to do a lot. And, and there's actually like a coherent plot there. Are, um, are you, Zach Swade, are you think? Um, I was actually already leaning that direction anyway. Okay. So I was actually, I got distracted by SNK heroines. So I was looking that up and man. Oh no, no, wait. Man, there's a I, super stern cat girl and I don't get it. Wait. So that. Makes it easy. That means that this game goes at number 162. Wait, did we, we did not compare it to Mario Kart. Oh, you're right. We didn't. Hey, it's I worse did. than Mario Zach Kart, did. right? Yeah, Zach. Zach thinks it's worse than Mario Kart. I'm going to agree with him. Oh, well, no, okay. Now it's over. Okay. Now it's okay. over. <laughs> no, long last, our long national it's nightmare over. is over. It's done. <laughs> System Shock goes at number 162, below Mario Kart 64, and above Fatal Fury King of Fighters. So... I actually found out that there's some classic games on the PlayStation 4's store, so I think this time we're going to actually... Ex- Jump out of Nintendo stuff, and we're going to play some Twisted Metal. Which is I think it's franchi- technically Twisted Metal Black is yeah. the game that we're playing. Which is a franchise I've heard of, but I've never played. It's a little bit like Vigilante 8. A lot of car combat. So next time on Last Time, Zach's twisting my arm. This has been a production of Last Time on Video Games, copyright 2018. All games, movies, and other media mentioned in this podcast are copyright their respective owners. If you wish to listen to more episodes, visit us at www.lasttimeonvideogames.com where you can see the entire archive. If you wish to get in contact with us, you can email us at ltovg at lasttimeonvideogames.com. This episode is over. Try listening to another one? Zach, you ruined it. I was, I was, Zach, I was gonna make him watch it. He's, why did you? He's going through the character list, Jeremy. Oh, I'd. What? That's not a that's not a Terry Bogart at all.